This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. I didn't make a podcast last week. I didn't make a show last week, a health and happiness show, because I had laryngitis. It was the craziest thing. I had laryngitis for like two days and I felt fine, just no voice. And then around day three, I was like, oh, something's going on here and ended up having to take four days off work. And that hasn't happened in forever. I'm grateful to say the voice is back almost 100%. And I'm so happy to be making this podcast this week. The topic may be a little intense. We're talking about dopamine. We're talking about addiction. We're also talking about stress, but hopefully we're talking about it in a way that can help you. And help me too. While I was sick, I am embarrassed by the amount of hours I spent watching TikTok videos. And I was so very aware of how awful it made me feel. Like you look up and 45 minutes went by and you're like, dang, I just was trying to take a nap. 45 minutes later, I feel like I've been robbed of all this time and lulled into this crazy addiction. Another instance during this past week or so when I wasn't feeling well, I sat down to watch television and I I watched two seasons of a Netflix show, two seasons, almost eight hours of television. Crazy, right? And then there's another part of this that Dr. Anna Lemke addresses in her book, Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. It was an absolute instant multi-week New York Times bestseller, and now it's out in paperback. It's called Dopamine Nation. And it talks about how the rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide are increasing all over the world, especially in wealthy nations, and how it's linked to the neuroscience of pleasure and pain. We're going to talk about that. And Dr. Anna Lemke gives us practical solutions for how to manage this overconsumption, including dopamine fasting to get you back to a stable mood and stable energy and good sleep. Something we need to learn for ourselves, something we need to teach our kids as well. So a couple weeks back before my voice got a little scratchy, I sat down with Dr. Anna Lemke and it sounded like this. It's a crazy time, you know, between long COVID and so many suicides. In my community recently, a police officer, young, a veteran, young. Uh, There's the guy from Dave and Buster's just committed suicide, one of the founders. Mm. Twitch from the Ellen DeGeneres show. What the heck is Mm. going on in Mm. the world? And what does dopamine have to do with it all, doctor? Yeah, gosh, great question. So sad. It's always sad when, when a life is cut short, especially at that person's own hands. It just feels so incredibly tragic and I think potentially avoidable. You know, the, the, the big idea in Dopamine Nation is that the increase in suicides that we're seeing, not just here in the United States, but around the world, um, which is highest in the wealthiest nations, is in part due to the stress of overabundance. Now, that's paradoxical, right? Because you would think that having everything we need to survive and more would make us even happier. But in fact, the, the opposite is how 
happening, and uh, we are overwhelmed with these stimulant, uh, these sort of stimulating substances and behaviors, including digital drugs. And as a result, our brains are reeling, trying to compensate for too much dopamine, and they're doing that by actually downregulating production of dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and other feel-good neurotransmitters, essentially putting us into a depressive state as a result of overstimulation and overabundance. I think also it's it's fair to say that we lose a sense of meaning and purpose when we no longer have to strive for survival. That then contributes to feelings of helplessness and potentially suicidality, as well as this kind of surreality, a kind of a surreal or being not being real feeling that's engendered by spending a lot of time in the virtual world. So I think those are all really important factors and very, very sad uh, to hear about your local community losses. What do you mean by digital drugs? So digital drugs are essentially the things that we are interacting with on our devices. Uh, These are engineered to be reinforcing, to keep us engaged, to keep us clicking and swiping. Uh, You know, these companies have employed neuroscientists who know exactly how to hack our brains uh, to make sure that uh, these kinds of apps and websites and platforms release dopamine. Dopamine is very responsive to bright colors, uh, to, you know, happy uh, celebratory noises and images. Dopamine is sensitive to novelty, anything that's new, especially if it's similar to what we've liked before, but slightly different, that it engages our treasure function, treasure hunting function. Dopamine is very sensitive to enumeration. So when we give something a number, a rank or a number of likes, uh, that leaves a hit of dopamine. All of these, uh, you know, things that we do online are really specifically designed to release dopamine in a specific part of our brain called the reward pathway. And to keep us there, even past uh, it being a pleasurable experience. So I think that's really key is that we find ourselves watching TikTok videos even after it stopped being interesting or fun Mm -hmm. and yet find we can't disengage. And the reason for that is because we're now in a dopamine deficit state where we need to keep clicking and swiping just to kind of bring our dopamine levels up again. And it feels like, you know, just so excruciating to stop because then we would, um, you know, our brain will respond to too much temporary dopamine by actually plummeting below baseline levels into a dopamine deficit state. And that's what we're, that's what we're trying to avoid mm-hmm. by watching the next episode or clicking on the next, uh, you know, TikTok video. Okay, good. I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. This explains why me, a fairly disciplined person, I'll go and say, <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. And 45 minutes later, I'm still watching videos. And I don't even yeah. know why I'm watching. Uh, I, I don't know. understand the dopamine deficit, though. How, how do we get to yeah. a deficit by watching what we enjoy or think we enjoy? Right. So so imagine that in your brain there's a balance, like a teeter-totter in a kid's playground, and that balance represents pleasure and pain. When you experience pleasure, it tips one way. When you experience pain, it tips the opposite. So when you watch a video on your phone, you get a little release of dopamine, and, and your balance tips to the side of pleasure. But no sooner has that happened, then your brain will want to restore a level balance. That's one of the rules of that mechanism. It wants to go back to the baseline position, but it does that first by tilting an equal and opposite amount to the side of pain. That's the come down, the after effect, the hangover, or that craving to watch 
a second video. And so that's really important. If we don't watch a second video, then eventually the balance restores the level position and we kind of are fine to go on and do something else. But if we continue to watch videos, what happens is we end up with, uh, you know, that, that initial response to pleasure gets weaker and shorter, but that after response to pain gets stronger and longer. I like to imagine that as these neuroadaptation gremlins hopping on the pain side of the balance to bring it level again, but they like it there so they don't hop off. Eventually, they're camped out there. Now you've got enough gremlins to fill this whole room, camped out on the pain side of your balance. You're in a dopamine deficit state. And now you're 45 minutes into watching, and if you stop now, then your balance is going to slam down to the side of pain because you've accumulated all those gremlins, right? Mm -hmm. But what you need to do is you need to stop, allow those gremlins to hop off the pain side of the balance, allow homeostasis or a level balance to be restored so that you're not in that state of craving. So the state of craving is the dopamine deficit state, and it's what happens as we continually expose our drugs to highly reinforcing substances or behaviors, including videos. Mm, mm, mm. And two, when I catch myself after 45 minutes in this dopamine chase, I'm so sad. I'm so sad, like I physically feel ill, and I'm so sad because I just lost 45 minutes of happiness and joy or sleep or playing with the dogs. Like, it's a terrible feeling. And I'm a grown, disciplined woman. I can't imagine (laughs) what this is doing to kids, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly, right. We're all struggling with this. And, um, you know, you're absolutely right. You're, you're, you're regretful because of the opportunity cost, the things that you didn't do at that time. But you also feel sad because you're in a dopamine deficit state, which lingers. So what I, what I talk to kids about is, well, think about how you feel when you're playing the video game or on social media, and then think about how you feel right when you get off. And if you can hold that in your mind, that feeling when you get off and how bad you feel afterwards, if you could hold that in your mind and think about that next time you think about getting on, maybe that will help motivate you to not do it in the first place. So it's kind of what we call, you know, in the world of uh, alcohol addiction, thinking through the drink. We're very good at remembering how the drug initially makes us feel, but we're not very good at remembering its after effects or those gremlins hopping on the pain side of the balance, unless we really put words to it, share it with other people, and, and give ourselves reminders so that we can remember, uh, you know, how, how it, where it, where it ultimately takes us, which is not a good place. Right, right. Uh, Dr. Anna Lemke, the book is Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. Can you give us like a phrase we can use or something to catch ourselves, and not only for us, but to teach our children? I like the thinking through the drink idea. Yeah. And and just further down that path, what could we say to ourselves or what could we tell our kids to remember? Well, I think kids really appreciate the balance metaphor that's in the book with this, these neuroadaptation gremlins hopping on the state, pain side of the balance. It's very intuitive and understandable. And so the other thing that, that you know we could say to kids is, you know, for every pleasure, you pay a price. And that price is the come down. There really is no free lunch. So a much healthier way to get your feel-good neurotransmitters 
neurotransmitters or your dopamine is to pay for it up front and do something that's hard. Go on a walk, do a sport, um, you know, make contact with a friend you haven't made contact with in a while, clean your room. And those things are hard in the moment. You're pressing on the pain side of the balance, but what happens is those gremlins then hop on the pleasure side and you get your dopamine indirectly without ever having to go into that dopamine deficit state. So so this idea that, you know, that dopamine isn't uh, isn't in and of itself bad. We, we need dopamine. Um, we need to feel good, but that the way to get our feel good is to, again, uh, do things that are hard in the present moment, repeat it over time, and get that delayed gratification rather than ingesting these intoxicants that feel good in the moment, but end up end us up in this place that's no good. Okay, I just have two more quick questions. I know I'm going a little bit over time, but one is... No, that's fine. Why don't we feel this bad feeling when we're doing something like, I don't know, bowling? Like, you know, we're, st- we're participating in a game or something, or we're, we're, or, or even watching a movie. Why is this so specific to videos? Well, I don't think it is specific to videos. So I think we have the same problem with movies or shows mm. um, where we kind of get transported and we're firing dopamine. And then the show comes to an end and there's this enormous letdown. And of course, Netflix has figured this out. They don't even wait for us to choose to watch the next episode. They default it to the next episode with that little button in the lower right-hand corner, right. next episode, and you can see it. Pat. You actually have to do work to not watch the next episode. Right. And of course, you don't want to do that because there's going to be a come down when you disengage. Um, you know, I talk in the book about how I actually got addicted to romance novels. Now, nobody would have thought reading is addictive, and yet books have become drugified. They know exactly mm-hmm. how to write them according to a formula so that you have to read the next chapter, and then when you finish the first in the trilogy, you have to go out and get the next one. Um, you know, things like bowling might be a little different because bowling tends to be very social, and human connection is often the antidote as long as it's real human connection in real time. Now, social media has even drugified human connection, right? Made it more potent, uh, made it more easily accessible, uh, made it more artificial, more reinforcing, made people more beautiful, more interesting. And if we don't like them, we just swipe right or swipe left and find somebody else. That's not the kind of effortful engagement required to make real friendships in real life where you have to repeatedly be there for people, even when it's maybe a little bit boring or frustrating or or there's conflict. Uh, so, you know, uh, we, we've sort of made everything into a drug. Right. All right. And then I just have to, I have to ask you to explain this one more time. I need to hear yeah. one more time the teeter-totter with the dopamine and the pleasure and the pain and why we lose dopamine. And then the neuroadapters part, the jumping on gremlins sure. part. I just want to be clear on it because I want to share this with everyone I know. Okay, great. So one of the most interesting findings in neuroscience in the past 100 years is that pleasure and pain are co-located in the brain. So the same parts of the brain that process pleasure also process pain, and they work like opposite sides of a balance. Imagine a teeter-totter, like in a kid's playground in your brain, when it tilts one way, you experience pleasure, and when it tilts the other, you experience pain. There are certain rules governing this balance, and the first and most important rule is that the balance wants to remain level. It wants to be parallel or level with the ground. And our brains will work very hard to restore a level balance with any deviation from neutrality. So for example, if I watch a TikTok video, I get a little release of dopamine in my brain reward pathway, and that balance tilts to the side of pleasure. But no sooner has that happened than my brain adapts 
by down-regulating dopamine transmission. I like to imagine that as these neuroadaptation gremlins hopping on the pain side of the balance to bring it level again. But here's the thing about the gremlins. They like it on the balance, so they don't get off as soon as the balance is level. They stay on until it's tilted an equal and opposite amount to the side of pain. That's the come down, the hangover, the after effect. Now, if we wait long enough, those gremlins hop off and balance is restored. But the key point here is that the way that the balance restores itself to the neutral position is first by tilting an equal and opposite amount to the side of pain. For every pleasure, we pay a price. For That price is a psychological come down. And it might be subtle and outside of conscious awareness, but it's there. Now, the second rule of the balance, with repeated exposure to the same or similar reinforcing stimulus, that initial deviation to pleasure gets weaker and shorter, but that after response to pain gets stronger and longer. In other words, the gremlins start to multiply. They get bigger and stronger. They turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger gremlins. And now you've got enough gremlins with repeated exposure to camping out on your pain, on the pain side of the balance, enough gremlins to fill this whole room. Now you're entering addicted brain. Now you need your drug not to get high, but just to compete with the gremlins and feel normal or have a level balance. And importantly, when you're not using, you are walking around with a balance tilted to the side of pain because it takes a long time for those gremlins to hop off again, right? So that's why people with severe addiction will relapse even days and weeks after they stopped using. Those gremlins like it on the balance. They don't get off right away, especially if they've been camped out there. And when I'm in that state, I can't enjoy other more modest rewards. I'm, I have mental preoccupation with my drug of choice. That's the only thing that I'm narrowly focused on. And I'm experiencing the universal symptoms of withdrawal from any addictive substance, which are anxiety, irritability, insomnia, dysphoria, and craving. So the natural solution to this problem is to abstain from our drug of choice long enough for those neuroadaptation gremlins to hop off of the pain side of the balance and for homeostasis or a level balance to be restored. And on average, this takes about four weeks minimum. Wow. Dr. Anna Lemke, the book Dopamine Nation. I'm just uh, so grateful for your generosity and for the ease in which you can explain this. And it makes me so sad to think about our brains are just working to keep us balanced and we're messing with our brains. Yeah, right. Our, Our brains are mismatched for this modern ecosystem of overabundance. Our brains are mismatched for this modern ecosystem of abundance. Dopamine Nation Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence, Dr. Anna Lemke, L-E-M-B-K-E. Dr. Lemke has been an outspoken proponent of schools creating device-free spaces to enhance learning and mental well-being. She's the medical director of Stanford Addiction Medicine, the program director for Stanford Addiction Medicine Fellowship, the chief of Stanford Addiction Medicine Dual Diagnosis Clinic. Dr. Lemke has received so many awards for her research on mental illness. And I'm so grateful that this very busy psychiatrist took time to explain to us, and me especially because I had a hard time grasping it, how addiction affects the brain. So please give yourself a break if you're beating yourself up over overindulgences. The answer is in rewiring your brain. You're working against your very efficient, very effective brain. And find the help you need. Hi, it's Casey. This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show. How are your stress levels? Would you like to take seven days and find lots of ways to metabolize stress? 
There's something called stress fitness when you have repeated short bursts of aerobic exercise that actually eats up, burns up stress hormones and excess emotions so you recover more quickly. We do have a choice about how we breathe and how we approach our daily stress. Dr. Alyssa Appel says stress in and of itself isn't a bad thing and chronic stress can be addressed in what she calls the stress prescription, seven days to more joy and ease. Dr. Alyssa says going into nature with your heart and mind and eyes wide open is an amazing stress healer. Going into nature with a certain, let's say, sensory immersion. So I took my dog for a walk and there are lots of trees and I could just stay in my mind, ruminate, worry about what's next and not even see the trees. But the sensory immersion is what where the magic is. We can really open our senses to smell, to see things that we don't typically see, the horizons, look at nature, plants or leaves up close and listen, hear birds, hear what sounds there are. Opening our sensory gate shifts us from the self-focused ruminative mind to a more experiential sensory state. And it's hard to be stressed when we're in that state. Right. I so get that because I can take the dogs out for a walk and come back more stressed than I was before. You know, <laughs> I can do that. That's right. But, it's, but yeah. it's to be intentional about being immersive and putting yourself in nature, with nature. I get that. That's where the big shift would come. You say that stress is good for you. How is that so? Short-term stress is necessary for our life, for us to manage the, the demands on us. It helps us cope. We have this terrible attitude about stress, which is well-earned, and that is that chronic stress can be toxic. It can wear out our cells, can create premature aging. We and others have done a lot of studies showing that things like telomeres are shorter, inflammation is higher, um, and so we're afraid of stress. The bottom line is we can break up chronic stress. We can manage the situations that cause us suffering better through changing our mindset about dealing with acute stress and also giving ourselves these body breaks using either positive stress to the body or deep rest state. And all of these things can really disempower the chronic stress response and let our body recover. We need recovery time. It's really important for us to remember that the short-term stress response is good. It's energizing. It's providing much more oxygen to our brain so we can cope better. And so just even the attitude of bring it on, my body's excited, my body is doing what I need right now, that is a positive stress mindset versus, oh my God, you know, I feel my heart thumping, this is terrible, I know this is bad for me. That would be more of the threat mindset state that creates more of a cortisol threat stress response that lasts longer. Exercise, meditation, time in nature, rest, all these things can help you with your stress. The stress prescription, seven days to more joy and ease. Lots of good advice in there from Dr. Elissa, E-L-I-S-S-A, Appel, E-P-E-L. World-renowned psychologist and New York Times bestseller, The Stress Prescription. And we have a choice about how we label stress, too. Yesterday, I had a crazy day, did two radio shows back-to-back. Then I had to go to two different towns to do some filming for social media. And I had to run home first to feed the dogs and the chickens and the cat. So I started my day at 4 a.m. and I didn't head home till around 4 p.m. And I caught myself labeling that busy, stressful day as joyful stress. Joyful stress when, yeah, it's a lot, but it's all stuff you love. 
So don't be afraid to love your stress when it deserves to be loved. And I don't want to stress you out, but the Shine On Retreat next weekend at Mariondale is almost sold out. Less than 10 spots left. Casey'sPlace.com. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On, the health and happiness show. Our thought for the day comes from the amazing Dolly Parton, who just celebrated her 77th birthday. She said, I make it a point to appreciate all the little things in my life. I go out and smell the air after a good hard rain. I reread passages from my favorite books. I hold the little treasures that somebody special gave me. These small actions help remind me that there are so many great, glorious pieces of good in the world. Shine On. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine On.